0: you know, you're a kid from Chicago. You're from Matson. you know, yeah. what? R- 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 South, right? R- South. Yeah, school, South.
1: R- high South. High uh-huh.
0: School, you know, over your shoulder, I see an iconic Chicago photo, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, man. On a, you know, Sunday morning, Easter Sunday, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Um, and you're working at, you're working at Channel 9, as they call it, in Chicago, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> WGN, you know, yeah. um, tell the people what WGN stands for. For those who don't know, Uh, I don't know. Oh, I might have to cut that one out then. Nah, you can leave it in, man. From Harold Washington to Harold's Chicken and everything in between and beyond, sociology is the exploration of Chicago culture, history, legends, stories, and fiction through a myriad of discussions with Chicagoans themselves. It's like a childhood dream for athletes to get drafted by their favorite sports team in their hometown. I mean, that's what happened with Derrick Rose right in 2008 when he got drafted by the Chicago Bulls, number one overall. But that feeling isn't just exclusive to sports. On this episode, I talk with Glenn Marshall. Glenn has been a media professional of over 10 years, and on this episode of Sociology, he's going to tell us how he fell into the media world, specifically the news world, and what it's like to work in the news in his hometown of Chicago. So make sure you listen and get inspired by this episode because glenn drops a lot of wisdom and he talks about a lot of the downside of working in the news industry too which deals with crime and things that we don't see every day or hear about and wgn what does it stand for if you listen closely to the episode you will find out so without further ado let's get into it on the scene with glenn marshall um we just get into it bro like it's just a conversation like um you went to northern i went to western uh, you know, so we got that in common as far as the state schools in Illinois go. What did you major in at Northern? Was it communications?
1: Yeah, bro. So I I uh majored in communications with the emphasis in media studies. So like production stuff, bro. So mm-hmm. I learned how to uh, edit video, audio, right. shoot video, record audio, those type of things, man, yeah. with my classes.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and what what made you choose it as your major though? Like, what what was the you know, what made you say, you know what, I'm going major in communications? Because, like, just as parenthetically, let me say, like, I chose broadcast because I talk a lot. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that's literally why I chose broadcast. I'm like, you know what, this is like the perfect major for me. You know, you got TV, you got radio. I can just talk. You know, I always yeah. want to be a film director, but Western Illinois didn't have a film major. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So, I'm like, let me just go ahead and do the broadcast right. It seems like it's made for me. So, for you to <laughs> do in your situation, what made you go uh the communications route?
1: So honestly, it's a totally different story, bro. Um uh-huh. I always wanted to act. Okay. And, and my parents wouldn't let me get a theater degree. Mm. And so I had just got a mentor uh my senior year in high school who was the program director for WCIU Channel 26. Yeah. Um, and so uh he was like, "Well, why don't you do something else? You know, maybe go into hosting and things like that. Uh, do comms." So I, I did a communications major, emphasis in uh, media studies, the production side. And while I was on campus, we had a uh, like a uh, music video countdown show, something similar to uh, One Hundred and Six Apart.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, we had something like that that uh, we did. We would go to different parties, events. And we would host the music videos, uh, interview celebrities when they came to town. So it was my freshman sophomore year of uh, college, and it would run through the dorms. Yeah, okay. It was me and a group of my friends. It was probably like maybe like when we first started, four or five of us that did it. Mm. And we made we made it work, man. It was really dope. Uh, and how I got into journalism, uh, journalism professor on campus watched our shows. Like, hey, we can make this even great. A black guy. And he was like, "Why don't we do urban news? so we take out the music videos, but just discuss stuff that's going on
2: yeah.
1: in the community mm-hmm. uh, and still interview the celebrities and things like that. So that's how that started bro. Mm-hmm. uh and that just catapulted me into the career
0: and you and I will assume you like that you like oh, yeah. yeah I was because it sounds like you know this is again we in college this 2006 2007. Social media is what it is now. You know what I'm saying. A lot of people might be listening to this, like, "Oh, I mean, how many Instagram pages, Facebook pages, you know, vlogs do that?" But like, nah, this was really ahead of the curve type of thing because you know when it came to like urban, urban is just basically a euphemism for black. You know Mm -hmm. when it came to that, we just had what BT. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? What BT? Uh, yeah, that's
1: it. That's it. You can maybe find stuff on VH1 and MCB every now and then, yeah. but as far as like being hyper local like that, like yeah, I'll give you a prime example of how like serious we were about what we were doing. And then it, we were all not necessarily funded, but like we were able to use campus uh, school equipment. Okay. So, like, the same equipment that the journalism majors are using, we're using just for play. <laughs> right. we, started, um, we started a chapter with uh, the National Association of Black Journalists, uh, like a college chapter, NIU. And that's how we were able to connect with the school. Um, but one of the craziest things we had, the situation where there was a threat towards Black students, uh, the Sunday before finals started for the fall semester. So all of the black students rushed over to the Center for Black Studies. We're not saying we're not going to campus tomorrow. We're not going to be on campus, not doing anything because we don't want to die. So we uh, boycotted going to finals. Mm. The school ended up shutting down classes the next day. We held this huge um, press conference where all of the local stations came up to cover this. And we were the only ones that were there from, besides our school paper, but that was it. And everybody talked to us before they talked to anybody else. Mm. That's how serious we were on campus. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. and being real. Yeah. So uh, that really sparked my interest in news, and I was like, man, like we're the ones being chose to get this information out there. And like you said, the only thing we had was Facebook at the time, because like Twitter wasn't it hadn't been created yet twitter hadn't been created yet where it wasn't on that that well known uh like everybody was using it wasn't like that and all we really had at that time was 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 facebook no instagram none of those things like nobody's blogging and putting stuff on youtube at the time um it was just really facebook and we just got the word out through facebook but we weren't even posting our stories stuff like that you still have to go to uh, the school website to see our stories and people did not
0: it. it was crazy bro yeah 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 man it's like people forget how archaic you know uh media was just 10 some years ago you know what i'm saying yeah. it's like everything just exploded for after real, 2010 but you know i remember we had like little dv cam tapes you know for uh you know cameras back there because like we we had access to uh equipment as well as a broadcast student you know
1: gotcha we, gotcha we
0: had all that but we had to drag around those big cameras man yep. the dv cams in there you know yep. yeah, it, it was crazy dude and then like you had it was a whole process just to upload it to mm. whatever you know site you was uploading it to so yeah
1: Bullying, bro it was annoying
0: it was annoying as hell now it's just a click of a button yep um, but, you know, the fact that the student body definitely gravitated towards what y'all was doing, opposed to the mainstream media outlets, you know, that's that's definitely huge. And it shows that y'all resonated. And y'all av- y'all obviously made an impact. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay. Really check it for y'all. So, again, we say you obviously enjoyed this so much that you made it a career path. So after you graduated from Northern, you your first job was in, was it Atlanta or was it Boston?
1: No, so my first job actually was here in Chicago after I graduated from... Uh, NBC. Yeah, yeah, I was at NBC. Mm-hmm. I had an internship there, mm-hmm. and they actually wanted to hire me right after my internship, but I still had a semester left of school, so uh, I couldn't do it. But um, two weeks after graduating from from uh, NIU, my mentor got me a job moving tapes, old tapes um, at Channel 26 from upstairs to the basement. And I did that for maybe a week. And on our last day there, I got a call from NBC to come back over and work on the assignment desk. So I was an uh, assignment desk assistant as well as a field producer for them. So I did that for a couple of months. Then I got hired to go into this uh, training program through NBC to be trained how to be producers. Um and I did that for a year and then I left to go and be a reporter in Springfield, Illinois.
0: Springfield.
1: Okay. Deep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So it we went Springfield we lost- to Boston, Boston to yeah. Atlanta and okay. then back.
0: Okay. And then um see that first of all that's a blessing that you definitely got that call back from NBC. Um Yeah. And like cuz I I interned at ABC Summer 08. So I was a uh, sophomore going into my junior year, um, gotcha. And it was it was definitely a great experience, you know, being in the newsroom, just you know, seeing like how things, re- seeing what really goes on behind the news, you know, seeing what gets set up uh, for news coverage, you know, and the stories that don't make it to the actual uh, broadcast because a lot of people don't understand. It's a lot of stories that don't make it, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Clearly, yeah. you can't cover everything, but just seeing that process, like, okay, we're gonna run this and not run this. Um, seeing like the Anchors, Karen Jordan, you know, uh Ron Majors, you know, it was definitely a great experience. ABC didn't hire me, but I ain't tripping too much because I really never had that desire to go into news. But for someone like you who did, that's huge that NBC did call you. And then you moved down to Springfield. Um and you was in Boston. How long was you in Boston?
1: I was in Boston for four years.
0: You was in Boston for four years. Yeah. How was that experience like? I never been to Boston, I haven't been to Boston yet.
1: Yeah, Boston is different, man. Um my friends that are from Boston, they always clown me about this, but Boston is different, bro. Uh, the racism out there is is different. I
0: heard.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's very different, man. Um, I had a lot of issues, but I will say Boston is beautiful in the summer. A mm-hmm. uh, great place to vacation for the summer, like going to the vineyard, things like that. But other than that, I don't need Boston. <laughs>
0: you don't need Boston. You ain't got no desire for well, Boston right now.
1: But it, and it's crazy because like Boston has so much culture there. Mm. And I think it's slowly changing, but it's still behind on a lot of stuff, even though they try to say that they're so progressive. Mm. There's a lot of stuff that they are behind on. Um, but there's so much culture there in and, and Boston. Like Boston was my wake-up call that I'm no longer in Chicago because
0: a long way from Chicago.
1: Right, bro, like you 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 will walk around and you'll see black people. The funniest story was me trying to find a barber. And yeah, so I would see black people out and about or whatever, and I would try to go and talk to them. Next thing I know, they're speaking like Portuguese. It's not even Spanish. I was like, "What is this? <laughs> What's going on? Who are you?" And it was like it was from Cape Verde. So, like uh, the island off of Africa, man, mm-hmm. you will see like all these people that look like me and you, but they speak Portuguese. Or there, will be Dominican and Puerto Rican. It's mm-hmm. just like Chicago doesn't have that 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 flavor like
0: that. No,
1: it doesn't have that flavor like you have. You that, see that, somebody
0: black, they speak English.
1: Exactly. Whereas out there, man, you have the Jamaicans, the Haitians. Mm. some of everybody is there bro trinidad mm. and beyond man like it's that's the beautiful thing mm. about boston is the diversity there but that racism bro you just like man yeah. i ain't trying to deal man
0: yeah i heard it was a different breed like obviously chicago is a very racist city as we know but i heard yeah. it, like you said it's just a different type you know racism comes in different forms different types you know yeah. chicago's racism is we know it as chicago's racism you know Martin Luther King Jr. even said it was different here in Chicago. But, yeah. you no, know, to say Boston is different, I can only imagine because I heard the stories as well. Um, but, yeah, so you was out there for four years. And what uh, affiliate, you was working for the NBC affiliate out there? Yeah,
1: I was out there at the NBC station. Uh, we started off as uh, this, this uh, network that would cover all of New England, it was called New England Cable News, uh, which was owned by NBC and they wanted to have their own affiliate there. Okay. So they created a station, NBC Ten, um, within like two years of me being there. And we would work for the NBC station as well as uh the New England Cable News.
0: Okay, station. so y'all was doing like kind of double duty. Year, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: You know? man, it was what was the inter- um, story out there in Boston that you will never forget? It could be good or bad. I mean you
1: know, I mean I could, I could I could give you uh, a couple that I, I will never forget. Um one of the coolest moments that I had in Boston was uh you're a football guy? Yeah. Uh getting close to uh Devin McCourty. Uh he okay. became a, a good guy um with me. Um just covering him out there and we did a story together the week before. Well no, not the week before, but uh yeah, actually, I'm sorry. It was the week before the Super Bowl. Uh, they had just won the playoffs, and they were headed to the Super Bowl. And I got so close to him that he was like, yo, you come to the house. And we did a one-on-one interview sitting at his kitchen table just talking. Mm. Uh, um, and then just, like, just doing stories with Tom Brady, stuff like that. It was all cool, too, man. So that's the one positive about being in a city like Boston, that sports isn't as bad right <laughs> like right, they right. they well they used to they used to have a winning team at the time yeah uh when it came to basketball football even in hockey like they were killing the game and so being able to go to those games talk to players afterwards because i'm not even a sports reporter but just being able to go in and talk to them about different things and stuff like that mm-hmm. was really really cool to me um another interesting story that i covered was um uh, Man, what's the name of the movie? Uh, Denzel was in town filming a movie. Um, I cannot think of the name of this. And it had a sequel to...
0: The Equalizer?
1: Yes, The Equalizer.
0: The Equalizer.
1: And I had to do a story because one time, one of the security guards actually got shot. Damn. On set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like uh, Boston Boston has gone through what Chicago is going through right now when it comes to gang violence and things like that but it's still some that still hangs around. And so one 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 night security guard was trying to secure an area that they were gonna be filming in, they were setting up. And it was also an area where people come to pick up their drugs. And so like, just like, y'all gotta get out of here. And shot the security guard. Damn. Yeah, yeah, crazy, crazy, crazy situation, but they were able to catch them. Um, But it was that was an interesting moment seeing like, oh man, this is a movie set where Ben is gonna be at in a couple of hours. And here we are covering this person getting shot. Yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's 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 some heavy ass shit right there. Yeah,
1: man. It was crazy, bro.
0: Yeah, so definitely some good and definitely some uh some not so good up in
1: there. So- Another one, man. I'm sorry, bro. Just- no, 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 no. Let,
0: let it out. Let it out. Because
1: <laughs> like I, I got over a decade in the in the news industry, man. So it's like I forget stuff, bro. But like covering um the uh, Boston Marathon bombing, I covered that.
0: Oh, you was out there when that happened. Yeah.
1: Well, I wasn't there when it happened. I was still in Springfield, Illinois. Uh, okay. But I came out there the next year covering that okay. bombing um, trial. Covering that, man then um also his name? aaron hernandez yeah man covering that like sitting next to his fiance
2: mm.
1: seeing all of that bro was was mad crazy
0: Ooh. yeah, like yeah. How, do you, how do you process and like you know we can definitely get into this more and more because you know that's just we just in yeah. one city you know what i'm saying yeah so how do you how do you process witnessing these things you know what i'm saying like
1: bro um one having a therapist <laughs> absolutely and
0: uh-huh.
1: then two trying not to dwell on it as much mm-hmm. which is hard because being a black man and you see black men killing each other or whoever it is we see this happening in our communities it's, it's tough man but then um having an outlet so like once I leave work, work is at work, and I'm not bringing it home. I'm, I'm going to do something else. My mind is somewhere else, man. So the reason why I got a dog, bro, because like she focused on something else, man. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's hard though, bro. It's hard. Yeah. It's it's mm-hmm. really I've covered some crazy stuff, man. I'm seeing some crazy things, man. And it's just the nature of the business. Um, no matter what city you're in, you're gonna see something that's like, whoa, what is this? And the, the, the crazy thing people don't realize is that a lot of times we will we can get to a scene before like a scene is officially closed off. Mm-hmm. Like, we're arriving right when police are arriving sometimes.
0: Yeah, right, right. Y'all just like first responders. Hit yeah. scene, you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the city of Chicago, they kind of screwed us in journalism because now they have this delay on the scanner traffic that you hear. So, like, Say for instance, someone gets shot on the corner right here. That to get called in, we can't hear that scanner traffic now until thirty minutes later.
0: Damn, and that's intentional.
1: No, oh, yeah, very much so intentional.
0: Damn, mm.
1: very wow. much so
0: intentional. Wow. Yeah, okay.
1: but um, we still like. I was I was out on a story on Stony Island one time where this car was speeding, crashed, two people inside were killed. Uh, before I could get to my eight o'clock live shot, they were calling me It's probably like six o'clock. Like we need you to move because there was two kids that were shot and it looked like the ages are like 12 and 13 or something like that. So I go further down, um, uh, get into this area. And lo and behold, there's the bodies on the ground, just right there. And it's like, wow. Okay. So they haven't even covered these bodies. I saw them put the blanket on them. I was like, yeah, we can't go live right here because you're going to see a body in the shot. So, yeah, it was crazy, man. But, like, I, I see stuff like that all the time.
2: Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like,
0: man, okay, so, yeah, that's that's heavy, you know. Um, yeah. You know, because, you know, we, we talk about firemen, firewomen, police officers, you know, obviously the what you think of when you first say yeah. first responders and, you know, the things that they have to see and witness and, like, you know, we, we see that the uh, suicide rates are going up with, you know, CPD officers and, you know, things like that. But I think people never really talk about how the news are, is there, too. And y'all the ones yeah. that got to say it. <laughs> yeah. Y'all the ones that got to say what happened. Yeah. You know, um, and then, half,
1: to know. bro, like, half the time, when it comes, especially on the early morning shifts or if there's, like, breaking news and it's a shooting and they're literally yeah. saying breaking news. The shooting just happened maybe 30 minutes ago, 45 minutes ago. Half the time, we know more information that we can't say yet because police have not officially said it, but we'll know when a person is dead. We'll know if this person is gonna make it or not. We we know all of that information, but right. we can't go about saying it.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, just because of the simple fact that police have to officially announce this. Yeah. Yeah, man, like I, I get, uh, when I'm covering stories of someone that's passed away, and the name has not officially been given, we have ways of us you know, getting that information just because of being on a scene and things like that. We see the family sitting here crying and going, you know, like just like out of their mind because of what has happened. We can't share that information yet just because of the simple fact that police have to officially say this stuff before, like because we gotta make sure that next of kin has been notified. Mm -hmm. with a lot of stuff bro so like we see so much man that people don't even realize
0: yeah yeah it's yeah and again that's why i asked the question that sparked this whole uh segment of the conversation like how do you process that because like that's just a lot you know uh, you know the uh the the unfortunate uh circus the unfortunate accident or murders whatever you want to call i don't know the proper terminology that the news use. But that happened on 71st outside of Jeffrey Pub. Like, I don't live too far away from there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I can't imagine pulling up and seeing that scene.
1: How about the Hidden Run?
0: The Hidden Run, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: the Hidden Run, yeah. That
0: was on 71st and Jeffrey. It was,
1: it was crazy. And I was shocked that TMZ actually posted that video of that because it's just like, who wants to TMZ. see
0: TMZ. It's TMZ.
1: Yeah, like no one should want to see someone lose their life like
0: that. Yeah, and
1: like then, that's just the thing.
0: And you have to be the one to go to the scene to clean it up. It's just yeah, it's that's tough, man. Yeah, that's tough. And you know that uh-huh. whole seventy first Street corridor. Um, I remember last time I uh, saw you, like you had to cover that story at the Sharks. Hmm. Right, and that was that a murder? or was that just a shooting?
1: Oh, it was a homicide, yeah. That was
0: a homicide, so that was a homicide. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Mm. the guy that cleans up in there, he's a homeless man, but um, he would go in there and sweep in that uh, convenience store. He also would do it at the uh, barbershop across the street from there. Somebody shot and killed him. Mm. Homeless man. And his family lived maybe a couple blocks from there. Um, mm. uh, They said, like, his family tried to get him off the streets. He, you know, mental health and things like that, preferred to be out there on the streets. He would go check in and go back out there, but he made his money by cleaning up the stores and being in there. Nice guys, what people said, wouldn't hurt, hurt anyone. Yeah. It's just like, you know, the, the yeah. senseless violence that we see in here, man. Like, who's who's, who's trying to, you know, like, kill a, a homeless man? Like, what has a homeless man done to you?
2: Yeah.
1: yeah uh, just true. like, shoot, uh, Thursday, man. We're we're covering a story uh, over there in the back of the yards neighborhood where the 20 year old? yeah, the twenty-year-old, uh well, twenty-one and his brother's fifteen. Their dad is at the, the bus stop with them because they're both special needs. Uh, both of them are nonverbal, can't even speak. And you got these little kids coming out here and calling themselves gangbangers, throwing up they said and doing all this other stuff, asking them questions. And then pull out a gun and just start firing and shoot these guys. Like, what have these kids done to you? They sit here trying to go to school. Yeah. Where y'all need
0: to be. Yeah.
1: It's crazy, man.
0: It's crazy, man. It's demented. It's demoralizing. And, you know, living in Chicago, it's kind of like you become numb to it. You feel me? It's like you know, and I think
1: that's the sad. That's that's the sad part yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah, because you
0: should never be dumb to someone losing their life, especially in these type of ways. You know, and our I community so much.
1: Yeah, our community just moves on. Like like this stuff is not happening. And I don't understand because we're losing, we're losing us.
0: Yeah, yeah, losing us like every day, daily, a lot. Would you hey. say since you've been since you came back home to Chicago, um, you know you was in Boston. Then you went to Atlanta. That was an NBC affiliate too. In Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta. Yeah. I worked at
1: a couple of places in Atlanta. I, I went down there to freelance. Okay, uh, to but freelance. I didn't want to sign a contract, so I was down there for two years. But I worked at the uh, Weather Channel, the CBS affiliate, the NBC affiliate. I produced two talk shows. I was a producer on two okay. talk shows out there. Uh, one with uh. Will uh, Packer, and then another one with uh, TV1
2: mm-hmm.
1: called uh, Sister Circle. It used to come on TV1. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but they shut us down during the pandemic. And what else did I do? I said the Weather Channel. I was yeah, a reporter the Channel, yeah. I think that's thing, Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay, so you're down in Atlanta. And how long was you in Atlanta? Two years. Two years. So you was in, two, in Atlanta for two years, and then you got the call to come home. Right. Yep,
1: that's exactly. how man, the pandemic hit a lot of my work slowed down because I was a freelancer. Uh, and then one day I was chilling on the couch, and WGN reached out to me, and the rest is history.
0: Did you apply to the? They just like hit nope. you, up. they just hit you, yeah.
1: They, they came searching me out, man. Okay, yeah. Then
0: yeah. WGN came, um, and you know, you came home, so you came home yep. now. Since you're home, which brings me back to the question I was about to ask. I'm gonna ask this question first because we were already on a topic. Do you think you cover more shootings, homicides than anything since you came back?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, definitely. I mean, Boston had its crime. I would cover a lot of court in Boston. Um, but Chicago, I've definitely covered far more mm-hmm. than I have in any other city. Um, but the thing is also Chicago, uh, Atlanta wasn't as, as a too much of a violent city. The violence has increased across the country, large cities, small cities, doesn't matter. Violence has increased. Um, we're looking at Louisiana cities out there. That's got a small population, but they're rate, rated some of the highest that have a homicide rate at the, the, the highest rate. And people are wondering like, how is this possible? It was it's like the amount of people that are dying compared to the population is, is, is bad. Yeah. It's bad. Um, and it's happening across the country, man. I mean, you got to look at what's happening here in Chicago. You used to hear our violence was geared towards the south side, the west side, the north side. Every now and then you would hear something. But it wasn't consistently as, oh, the south side, west side, north side, downtown. Like, <laughs> that's how it goes. Like, you just hear, like, something happening in all of these areas, and people are like, what's going on? It's just violence is up everywhere. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy because our numbers in Chicago, the police are saying, I believe the last time I checked, it has decreased since Mm -hmm. last year. But it still seems like it's just so much going on. Because, bro, like, we don't even cover half of the shootings that we hear about.
0: I believe it you know I know I know police officers at Cal City that talk about you know shooters is going on weekly yeah. you, know, you know they they recover you know uh drums you know switches all types mm-hmm. you know um you know South suburbs you know you know West suburbs so I yep. believe that a lot of it isn't making it to the broadcast
1: nah man it's not and it's just so crazy at how it's, it's just, I feel like our communities don't care, bro. It's it's so crazy to me. Um, but one thing that I could say when I lived in Atlanta, something that I experienced that I just really, truly adored about Atlanta was how welcoming and how much of a community Atlanta can be. And of course, you know, you, you have, the black Hollywood in Atlanta and stuff like that. Uh, but when it comes down to it, like seeing public figures like in the community not to be seen, but just, oh, this is what I do. Like that that type of lifestyle was just like crazy to me. Like I, I really enjoyed that. It's one thing that I miss. I feel like Chicago has this issue where it's like, if it's not on my block, if it's not in my neighborhood, if it's not in my community, that's sad and I'll continue doing what I'm doing. Um, We don't have that sense of community where it's like if something's happening at South Loop, us and West Loop, we'll get together to help out and want to see something change. I mean, you you see what happened like um, with George Floyd when he passed away, when he was killed, um, how the whole country came together protesting and marching and fighting trying to get justice but we see this violence happening in our community and we just walk right past it yeah and blow it blows my mind yeah like this person's life is just as important as george floyd and we don't want to to do anything and then i get it some people are scared like Mm -hmm. they're like if i say something what what's gonna happen to me what's gonna happen to my yeah, hell well,
0: houses I, in our own communities. Yeah. It,
1: and it's, it blows my mind, bro. Yeah, It blows my mind. Like, I, I'll go into some of these neighborhoods, man, and I know these people saw the shooting because they're standing outside with their phones. And i did like, hey, did, did you, no, I ain't talking to y'all. No, I'm, I'm walk right in the house. I'm like, okay. Like you did, you
2: know?
0: Right, you? right. Yeah,
1: Like, this is your community. You got to live in here because it happened right next door to you. Your no child could be next,
0: yeah, yeah, man, that's tough, bro, like you know, and it just it's just like that that daily grind, like literally a grind of like you know you have to wrestle with your emotions and you know the reality of like you know this this individual, this this girl, this boy, this man, this woman just been murdered, and you know people know who did the murder, and you know they're not gonna say it, yes. it's just like. It's it's excruciating for everybody that really cares, you know, um, whether mm-hmm. they're in the media or not. Um, so you, since you've been home, what what has a typical workday look like for you? So you wake up, you go into the station. Oh uh, no,
1: bro! I don't I don't go in unless I'm actually working in. The studio. No, no, no. Okay. So we have a two o'clock um, conference call that we do, man. I wake okay. up usually about okay. like twelve forty five. Okay. Morning, man. That's when my day starts, and uh, we have our two a.m conference call where we decide where we're going and what we're doing i'll just drive straight to that location mm. now if i'm in studio i'll just drive to the station but most of the time man, i may be like on the south side to west side i'm usually outside of a hospital or a police department mm. um unless there's something else going on in the community man but uh my first our first show is at uh 4 a.m Mm-hmm. So it gives me like two hours, well, uh, an hour and a half to prepare for the first show. So I like, will be on the phone for maybe like 30 minutes trying to figure out what it is that we're going to do. I'll get there. On the way there, I'm talking to my editor, figuring out what interviews and things like that we already have. Uh, we, we pick uh, portions of the interview. We call them socks, but we, we pick portions of the interview. We clip it up so that people can hear it. Uh, and I just write my my story once I get to the scene. Mm-hmm. I just sit on my iPad and I'm literally writing, put the you know the the sound bites, uh, sots and things like that in, send the script in to my executive producer as well as the producer for the show,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and my editor edits everything together. Man, And by three fifty eight, I'm standing in front of the camera because at four o'clock we start.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um. So, you know, the fact that you just said that you don't need to go into the studio like that. Like that's kind of like a that's a surprise to me. So yeah. let me just ask you this. How has journalism changed in 2023 versus in 2010? Obviously, we know technology has changed. Yeah. How has journalism changed though?
1: Journalism has changed really like um something that is very serious, like uh we have equipment that we can go live basically from anywhere now. We don't have to be connected to a huge truck. Uh, I don't know if you remember, used to be USC, those live trucks with a huge satellite uh-huh. or the antennas going, sticking up. We don't even use those anymore. Rarely we will. Um, we have these live view packs that's basically a bunch of cell phones created into one signal to shoot our signal of the video and what we're saying live into the station uh, through uh, satellites and things like that. Uh, Also, a major game changer for journalism was when social media became so prevalent. Uh, Being able to get in contact with people or getting information out. It used to be like people would rush to get home so they could see the 5 o'clock news or the 6 o'clock news or they wouldn't go to bed before seeing the 10 o'clock news. Now you got everything at at the palm of your hand like, right here, like, you'll get a push notification about something that's happened. You can read what happened, and then there'll be video within an hour or so on a website, and you're good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know when something has happened way before waiting to get in front of a TV. So, like, I think that's the the major thing that has
0: changed.
1: Uh, one thing that's cool about Chicago is that Chicago's a city where people actually still watch the news.
0: <laughs> yeah. I know a couple of them right now that literally wait until the news goes live on you know channel nine channel five
1: Channel seven Yep, bro like people here in chicago really watch the news and it's so interesting to me because in a city like boston Mm. they did not watch the news Mm. they were like why why is this on like why are you watching this like people didn't know who i was out there it's like oh you're a journalist what do you work for the the globe no Or for the NBC session. Oh, okay, cool. They <laughs> oh, cool.
0: didn't Boy, care. If you a because... news in Chicago, you a celebrity.
1: It, it, it's, it's crazy to me. But, like, the thing is, like, the difference between Boston and Chicago is Boston, they, they claim to be this intellectual city where they like to read. So they'll wake up in the morning and read their papers
2: mm-hmm.
1: and things like that. They'll read articles, but they're not waiting to hear different views and opinions or just hear information from journalists on TV. Like, they're not watching the CNNs, the MSNBCs, where you have the opinionated shows. They're not even watching local news there, bro. It's so crazy to mm. me. Like, some people watch, but they don't watch it all. But However, here in Chicago, people like, I don't care what my phone is saying. I got to hear what Tom Skillen is going to say about this weather.
0: Tom Skilling, man. He's been on the news my whole life.
1: Like, exactly, bro. Exactly. And so, like, he's a well-trusted figure here, man. People wake up to see what I have on so they can know how to dress. Like, people tell me this all the time. I was like, oh, just do you have a scarf? I'm going to leave my scarf at home. If you don't know have is?
0: Yeah. I'm like, what, man, you got a hat
1: on? Okay, I'm going to take my hat. Like, people really care yeah. about seeing what, we, what we're doing on news. Like, they want to know information.
0: Yeah. It's like you're in the vanguard for the weather. It's like, all right, we're going to send you out there to see, you know, what it's looking like and – um yeah. How you dress? You know, that's how we're going to dress. But yeah, man, that's so interesting because it's funny you mentioned like the news trucks with the antenna, you know, I remember a fleet of those, you know, when I was an interning, um, and say that stations don't really use those now, you know, so it's just interesting to see how technology has really um, affected the way things are done in everything that we do, you know. Yeah. Every single piece of media is just literally all controlled by you know a phone on ipad tablet you know yeah. whatever it may be um bro so-
1: I'm doing my hits or on the t v bro once you see my head go down like this, I'm reading my script from my phone, man that's <laughs> all I'm doing, man, is just reading from my phone bro'
0: reading it straight from the phone if you if you had to teach a journalism class, what would be like um the syllabus of the class you know for The up and coming generation in two thousand twenty three, because even though technology has changed, the spirit of journalism, I will assume, is still constant. You gotta tell. Yeah,
1: yeah, I think that would be. I would think that would be like basically my thing. I can't give you a full syllabus. Yeah, but I could just tell you, my class would be, especially if it's like an intro to journalism class, it's just getting down the basics of journalism, making sure you can factually report the who, what, where and how Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and a lot of times it's digging to find that how um a lot of people think that this job is glamorous bro i spend more than half my day sitting in my car Mm -hmm. like i don't have an office you know i don't have a cubicle that i can go to every morning it's my car and i'm just sitting in there outside of a police department outside of a crime scene outside of a fire like all morning and it could it could it could wear on you bro it could wear on you because i'll get home around like 12 and then i got a couple of hours before i gotta go right back to sleep because i gotta be up at twelve forty five.
2: 45
1: and it's, it's 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 a lot man and i, I want people to realize that because Folks see us and they think like, oh man, y'all live this glamorous life, man. Y'all must get free. So don't get nothing free. <laughs> ah,
2: who said that?
1: Oh they I pay for a haircut every week. <laughs> That's what I'm like I gotta get my haircut every week, bro. Yeah. Every week. Remember yeah. those days? You probably still can do it, but you could go once a month and be good. And you know how a barbers charge in Chicago, man. Oh yeah, it's
0: going up. It's going up. Look. It's crazy. My brother, um, he had to go up on his prices because the owner of the shop going up on the boot for it. So it's kind of like a trickle-down effect. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I need to go holler at him right now, you know? <laughs> Straight up. But, smooth, yeah.
1: bro, smooth, but like, people don't realize that and I, if that's one thing that I can tell these young journalists because they see us on social media. That's one of the reasons why I kind of stopped like posting so much of myself mm-hmm. okay. and things like that. Like, I even stopped posting my dog. He's like, oh, we want to see your dog. God. Yeah, I'm 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 past that in my life, man. Um, I'll post funny stuff, cause that's what I get to social media for. I don't get there to get news and things like that. No, I know how to I know how to read and get other information, but like I go over there just for like strictly funny stuff. Yeah, and checking in with friends and things like that, man. These young folks, man, they think that we just like all y'all do is just have fun. You host events and you're on TV, like man. Try standing outside in the blizzard. And see how fun that is. Yeah, I
0: ain't doing it. I ain't doing it. And you know, it's, it's, it's interesting that you say that. Not interested, but I'm glad that you say that because, you know, the who, what, when, how, you know, the basics of journalism, telling the story factually. Yeah. With the explosion of social media, with the explosion of technology, a lot of people don't understand it anymore. You know, no. the whole fake news, you know, we throw that phrase mm-hmm. around fake news, it's, it's literally like an epidemic within itself. You know yep. what I'm saying? Because so many people, all you need to do is see a meme that says something. You know, mm-hmm. like, oh, Kanye people,
1: people will run with
0: it. People gonna run with it. Kanye saw an Adidas for $800 billion. They owe him $800 billion. See, Kanye won. Like, it's just like, that's just an example, though. Like, people sharing stuff without even knowing how to get to the facts. Man. People don't even know how to get to the facts because I don't think people read anymore. People don't no. read anymore.
1: Bro, we- the day room and spiritual word, baller alert, these... Social media handles they rule people's lives that they don't even realize.
2: Yeah, it's
1: like you mean to tell me that you're listening to what the shade room said? You don't even get the full article with the shade room, and they're just copying and pasting sometimes from somebody else. Like, this is not how you should consume news or get your information. You gotta read if you don't watch TV, which is totally fine. I'm not knocking anybody that don't watch the news, read at least. Gotta read to read. Learn how to fact check. Like, I remember there was so much stuff coming out about Kanye and whatnot and people would get mad at me because they would send stuff to me. It's like, you don't send, don't send articles or don't send stuff to a journalist and not expect them to fact check.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: All you gotta do is Google search and, and find the truth.
2: Yeah.
1: But they're like, man, just because ABC or NBC hasn't said it don't mean that it's not true. And then Sure enough, if it would come out that is not true. You know, people would just go silent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, man, you gotta read. You gotta get information for yourself. Stop allowing social media to be where you get your your, your knowledge because it's not knowledge.
0: Yeah, at all. And as a black man in the media, uh, a black millennial in the media, you know, we get we getting up there, we getting old. I know,
1: bro. It's like,
0: crazy, man. We still young, but we getting old, you know. It's um, crazy, bro. You know, as as someone that's in the media, do you feel do you feel some sort of duty to like continue to um do you feel a duty like when you're in your car, you know, working on these stories? And you know, like you say, it wears on you. I, I'm sure it do. You know, the work I do wears on me. Um, but because you got so many people out here that's adverse to the truth and, you know, mm-hmm. be, do not you, like, think that's, like, a motivation for you? Is it one of the motivations for you?
1: It's, it's, it's one of the motivations, but really when I'm out on the story, man, um, especially when it comes to, like, the violence and things like that that we're dealing with, what what keeps me motivated while going through that story is making sure that I pay this family the utmost respect. Because at the end of the day, they're they're a story. that Their voice should be heard if they want their voice to be heard. Someone should care about this person that died. And a lot of times, bro, a lot of the shootings that we'll cover is like gang versus gang type of stuff. But at the end of the day, that's somebody's child still. Before he was a blood vice lord, whatever these people are now. Like he was somebody's child, she was someone's child, and they didn't deserve what happened to them. And we're not gonna do anything but continue repeating the cycle until we wake up and realize this ain't it. Yeah. yeah. And so like, that's one thing that keeps me going, man. Um, and then like, I'll have a lot of parents that'll reach out to me and tell me stuff like, oh, I make my son watch you every morning so that he can see a black brother Actually, doing something with his life. Uh, I told you, man, the dog was going to pop up. <laughs> this
0: is dog, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but, uh, all right. All
1: right, then. Come on. Go ahead, I'm right here. There you go. But, um, like, just trying to be that role model for the next generation. Like, oh, this is a guy on TV that wears braids, that wears Jordans all the time. Like, I can do this. Yeah, a turtleneck with a chain. Like, I try to be relatable as possible while still being me um, just so that people could see themselves when they see watch the news because growing up we had a couple but it wasn't a whole lot of us
0: yeah like i'm like who we had we had ron jordan robert jordan what was his name
1: bob, bob jordan bob jordan there we
0: go bob yeah. jordan Bob jordan, bob jordan bob works at
1: abc warner Saunders. Yeah. uh yeah. jim rose over yeah, at jim rose Mark um, Norman. Yeah, yeah, I said oh, Art said, Oh, you
0: said Art Norman? Okay, okay.
1: That's, that's your frat. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I say Yeah, yeah, Art Norman. Yeah. Yeah, Norman.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we um,
1: didn't
0: have many, but we did have them, though. You
1: know? Right. Yeah. And so, like, just imagine, you know, being somebody growing up watching Art Norman, uh, Art Norman in the mornings when he was a morning anchor then moving around through NBC. And then you get that internship and your desk is right across from where this man's office is. And it's mm-hmm. like, dude, that's the celebrity there like I haven't done anything that man there was is a trailblazer yeah Uh, um and so like seeing all of that it's encouraging because I want to be that person that inspires the next generation to carry on the torch because we need it if we don't have us in there who's going to tell our stories
2: yeah
0: yeah And, and it's necessary I think it hits even more because like you know you're a kid from Chicago. You're from Matson. you know, yeah. riss R- South, right? R- yeah, riss right? R- South. South High South. Uh-huh. Ritz South High School, you know, over your shoulder I see an iconic Chicago photo, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, man. Uh, on a, you know, Sunday morning, Easter Sunday, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, and you're working at you're working at Channel 9, as they call it, in Chicago, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> WGN, you know, yeah. um, tell the people what WGN stands for, for those who don't know.
1: Uh, I don't know. (laughs) Oh, I might have to cut that one out then. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, you can leave it in, man. World's greatest. Like a lot of times, um, it's uh, call letters, and a lot of stations like do have that, so people know Channel Five, but it's really the call letters for it is WMAQ. Right. Uh channel seven is W L S. Yeah. Channel thirty two is W F L D. Uh mm-hmm. Channel twenty six WCIU. WCIU. A lot, a lot C-I-U, of C I
0: U to U. Yeah, yeah. A lot W-C-U. of states
1: Midwest is like uh they would have the college start with a w. Mm-hmm. And that's how you could tell where where we are. So like Midwest, West, or whatever that may be. Um
0: that's of the Mississippi is K, correct.
1: Uh, east of the Mississippi, no, no, west of the Mississippi, You're right. Yeah, okay. it's K because okay. like yeah. you got L A K T L A, which is our sister station. Yeah. Um, K N B C, K A B C, all of those. Um, so it all depends, man.
0: Yeah, it, it stands for World's Greatest Newspaper. I just know that because I'm a nerd. I mean, there a- you
1: go, man. There you go. Yeah. So world's that's that's all it stands for. Newspaper. But
0: but the point I was trying to make is, you a kid from Madison, you a kid from Chicago. Madison is still part of Chicago land. Um And you're working at a major outlet in Chicago. Like, that's yeah. a dream come true. So not only are you uh, a Black man, you know, representing for future generations, Black girls and boys, but you're a Black man from Chicago. Yeah. Working in Chicago, like, doesn't that, like... You know, again, we talked about how the job isn't glamorous. You know, you're covering these homicides, these shootings, you know what I'm saying? It's long hours. You know, you got to wake up at 2 o'clock every morning. Right. you right. waking up at 2 o'clock in the morning, I, it ain't happening, bro. <laughs> Unless <laughs> I got to catch a flight or something. Like, I don't want to wake up that early. So yeah. we get that it's, it's, you know, it's a lot of work. But doesn't that just make you feel good that, like, you're in your hometown doing what you love, though? Like, oh, there's no more Chicago than that.
1: Yeah, bro. Like, I'm extremely grateful, man. I, I have over a decade in the news industry, man. Uh, and it was always my desire to come back home to Chicago Yeah. Uh, when I was working at NBC here. And it was like, you could do it, you could do it. You just got to put the effort in and work really, really hard. And it was like, bro, the struggles uh, that came with this career, man. I mean, dealing with racism within the career, bro. Um, just like, the pay at certain stations, man. My first job, like people think it's so glamorous. Being on TV, man, I was making less than 27000 a year. My first job. Mm-hmm. And so you, you see that coming to where I'm at now, man. Uh, like the struggles and everything was all worth it uh, because it makes you grateful for it even more. Uh, being able to wake up in the morning and my mom can call me and be like, hey, I don't like that tie. You shouldn't wear that no mm. more. Mm. It's finally, you got a nice looking coat on TV or something like, it's time to get that hair braided. Like, mom said <laughs> stuff like that, but <laughs> like, it, she can see it. Um, it's just like, man, cool. My parents get to watch me in the morning. Uh, my family, my friends, they get to watch me in the morning. I get to tell them what's going on. They're waking up with me, whereas like a lot of people don't get this opportunity to do this in their home, they have to settle for, like, getting close, like, maybe to Milwaukee or Cleveland, places like that that's close enough to home. I mean, you got to think about it. With our careers, bro, in journalism, we really don't have any days off. We have to be on all the time. Um, And then, like, holidays and things like that, you, you see it. I'm working every Monday. Most holidays fall on a Monday or a Thursday. I'm working Thanksgiving, things like that. But the beauty of it is, Soon as I'm off work, I get to go spend the time with my family. Yeah. Whereas in other cities, I'm working this day and then I'm at home by myself. Or I gotta find friends to hang with that's cool with me coming over for holidays. Like I missed so many holidays and things like that, trying to build this career, man. It's a it's a it's a it's a climb. Yeah. It's a climb, man. But you gotta you gotta want it bad enough to to, to get on top of it and it is it's humbling going through everything. Even getting to that point where it's like, man, I quote unquote made it. It's like, man, like, yeah, this is this is humbling. Like, people stop me on the street, and like, "Hey, Glenn from Matson, right?" Like, yeah, that's me. That's mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's being able to have that connection, that interaction with people, people knowing who you are and wanting to hear from you, wanting to see you be successful, it's a it's a beautiful thing, man. Very much so. All right, kid. Yeah. I'm telling yeah. you I'm talking too much. I'm
0: sorry. And, and, and the dog agrees. The dog's is like, like, yeah, all that is cool, but... <laughs> like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? I'm your co-anchor right now. But yeah, yeah, bro, like, it's just... It definitely is a beautiful sight to see someone you know on the news. um, You know, just to see the, the name, you know, and like, man, I know that person. And, you know, the fact that you get to do what you love is... It, it, it never it would never fade away, that feeling right, 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 especially like you said after all the ups and downs, you know, making less than 27,000 a year um, you know, dealing with the racism in Boston, I'm sure you've dealt with some things here in Chicago um, you know, freelancing in Atlanta, you know, for people who don't know freelancing in the media business is hard freelancing is hard, period, but freelancing in the media business is hard because you basically just out here Mm -hmm. (laughs) you just out here you, you know
1: you're working when they, they want you to work, but I was blessed enough to be able to have it where I could turn down jobs just for the simple fact that I had so much work coming in at one point in time. Yes. It so. was definitely a blessing, man, but when the pandemic hit, all that stuff dried up, bro. Yeah. It dried up real fast. Like, everybody cut back. Mm-hmm. Everybody cut back, man. So, like, having opportunities was a blessing when it would come.
0: Yeah. What um uh, would you say we go wrap it up? What would you say is like one of the best stories you covered in Chicago since you've been back home?
1: One of uh one story that I was very appreciative of though, and it's still a sad story, but being able to you know everybody tells you when they're journalist, I want to be that voice for a voiceless community. Uh, I was covering a story right outside of uh, the White Sox Stadium. Somebody had, got shot and killed in the, the, the homes over there, those townhomes that's right south of White Sox yep. Stadium. Yep. And I was talking to this lady before I went on TV. And she was very passionate about what's going on. She was just basically saying, all they do is care about, she, these are her words, all they do is care about the white folks coming down here to go to this game. And then after that, they don't do anything for us. They'll block off traffic. They have all the police over here for those games. But after that, we got to deal with the crazies over here, and nobody comes over here and does anything. Property manager does nothing. Police don't do anything. Something needs to change. I was like, can you say that on TV without
0: cursing? <laughs> <laughs> like, let's edit it a little bit. And
1: so I did a live interview with her, and she went off. It went viral, too, because of the simple fact that this woman was showing what the issue was. Like, we need help. And being able to give her an opportunity to voice that live on TV with our anchors, like, it got to the point where they stopped talking to me. They was talking to her. They were asking, hey, ask her this, ask her this. Uh, because they were they wanted her to get that out there. And then to see change came from that. They started having community meetings over there in that area. They started uh, having police in the area more. Uh, the churches in the area stepped up and started doing more. Um, it was a very powerful moment. Like sometimes you just, you need that. Yeah, You need to just tell it how it is. Like we don't have anything here. No one cares about us. Yeah. But if that person hadn't got shot and that breaking news hadn't happened, there would have been something else that happened over there and just no telling what we could have done mm-hmm. it's like being at the right place at the right time man. and being able to give that person that voice change the perspective or change something for that community yeah yeah,
0: yeah. it caused that ripple effect you know yeah and that's that passion man like when people are fed up you gonna see it and you go, gonna oh yeah, oh, you're, yeah. Gonna, you're gonna feel it and you know the anchors felt it. The viewers felt it. Um, and oh, yeah. obviously it created change because people are fed up in Chicago. People mm-hmm. are fed up. People are sick and tired of being sick and tired. You know, right? We right. we know we know all of it, man. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a blessing that you was there in that moment to give her that opportunity because yeah. you know, who knows if another reporter would say
1: exactly?
0: They probably would have just heard her concerns and you know, just you know. Exactly. Whatever but that's
1: how You you have to be that way. Like when you, I tell people I've been blessed to be in this position to be a voice for my people. And, you know, like uh, Issa, she she said the best, you know what I'm saying, root for everybody Black. Yeah. Like I got a root for us because if we don't protect us, if we don't serve us, if we don't fill that void that's missing in our community, bro, what's what's going to happen 10 years from now? Mm-hmm. What are we going to look at? Like, You know what I'm saying? We got 12- and 13-year-olds that's out here carjacking people now, bro. We got we to gotta show some, that somebody that there's something better. Mm-hmm. And, like, I mean, I know I came from Madsen. I came from a two-parent household. Everything wasn't sweet. I didn't go that route. I'm making legit money, you know what I'm saying? And I'm doing it by doing something that I love to do. Like, these kids, man, they got something that they love to do. You got to show them, like, you can go chase your dream and then go become something. You don't have to settle for being on the streets, being on the corner, shooting your, your, your friends. Y'all were friends at seven, now all of a sudden y'all can't be friends because y'all live on separate blocks. Like, it's, it's crazy to me, man. But we have to be that hope in our communities, man. And I've just been blessed to have this position where I can give that hope
0: absolutely uh tell them where can they find you you know if they wake up early enough
1: uh yeah where can they, they find you i mean i'm on, I'm on monday through thursday mornings from 4am to 8am uh and then i come back again usually at 11am for our midday show uh on channel 9 wgn news uh i'm on social media it's glenn marshall on facebook but everything else is glenn marshall junior you'll see me uh i respond to people I, I talk to folks all the time that's that's how i try to get stories and things like that man so i'm always welcoming people to talk to me
0: i definitely appreciate you talking with me you know what i'm saying uh definitely appreciate the motivation bro you know uh on the sociology podcast we'll talk like you know because it's definitely we don't see it too often we definitely need to see it more you know of the representation image imagery matters Image yeah. and you know you definitely. definitely you're definitely showing that the image is you know golden, and it's not you know even though it's not as easy as people would think, you know you still persevere through it all and showing us that it can be done. So we definitely oh, yeah. we definitely
1: appreciate you for doing that. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Man.
0: Appreciate you for doing that, bro. If you enjoyed this podcast, whatever platform you're listening to it on right now, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, etc., leave a five-star review and a comment. Let us know what you think. And don't forget to subscribe to our sister podcast, Mogul Motivation, from True Stories Media.